Hello, everyone, and welcome to Grip Lock, Foundation Disc Golf's weekly podcast. I'm Hunter, and not joined by Trevor this week. We kind of warned you last week. Uh, we are joined in studio by our normally our editor and producer, mm-hmm. Mr. Connor Kennedy. Yep, I'm happy to be here. Now, first off, before, I mean, no one's going to really comment anything yet, but everyone comments your name wrong. It's yeah. Connor with a K. It is. It's K-O-N-N-E-R, so just spelled the wrong way. And he That's gets highly offended every time he reads one of your comments with a C. Not really. No. But. No, I feel like that's the most common mistake probably ever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's spelt wrong. My yes. name is spelt wrong. Yeah. yeah. So at least you address it. Yeah. At least, you, at least mean, you're aware of the mistake your parents made. Yeah, I'm definitely <laughs> aware. I give them a hard time about it. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're wondering where Trevor is, Trevor is on his honeymoon currently, uh, probably kicking it on a beach in St. Augustine, Florida. Um, he'll be back next week. I'll actually be gone next week. We'll have to figure out if it's going to be Trevor and you or if it's going to be me skyping in with trevor but we'll figure that out later that's for a different time uh we actually don't have a ton to talk about this week there was an event last week the mid-america open a lot kind of went down in between uh this podcast happening and this week uh with the mid-america open um first thing we want to talk about though is the dark horse picks because as you see we both have coffee in front of us that is because I'm the one that went and got coffee, and Connor is the one who won. So, Connor, you had your pick, Brock Roller. I did, yeah. He came in 31st at 14 under par. And he was the lowest rated out of the three of yeah. us. And he was, like, way lower rated. So, his first round was meh, about what you would expect. It was actually below his rating, 962. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of popped off. He went 48-48, which was 10-33 and 10-24 to be 14 under par and beat out Trevor for the win by one stroke trevor had john jones um who was in 38th uh also shot way above his rating and maximus if you're listening come on man you let me down you i mean he did not play worthy of the name maximus no he also didn't play worthy of his rating mm. he went 920 916 940 mm-hmm. so that one really hurt uh it cost me a vanilla oat milk iced latte to connor I was kind of hoping it was going to be Trevor because I wanted to just Venmo him out of the blue five bucks and see if he knew what it was for. But it, it wouldn't be the only thing that he'd be receiving from us this week. That's true. Uh, you'll see that in the vlog. Yep. Can't talk about it anymore. Next week. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, by the time, first off, Trevor's not going to listen to this, so it doesn't even matter. Yeah, that's but true. But if Trevor did listen to this, <laughs> then he's true. probably like, what the heck? Why hasn't it shown up <laughs> on my door? Uh, but can, sticking with Mid-America Open, um, it was kind of interesting who the top of this field were so first off let's look at the first thing that we noticed is paul Macbeth did not actually end up playing first thing that we noticed is there was like nobody there there's like few big names yeah i mean we had chris dickerson yeah drew gibson kevin jones nico james conrad and that's probably where the the biggest names kind of fall yeah. off mm-hmm. um so there was a few big names there you're right though not a ton part of it though was paul was going to be there as was Brody. Brody, we talked about last week, did not mm-hmm. go because of the weather and everything. Yeah, yeah. Paul ended up doing making the same decision, but it was after it had happened. I don't know what I just said. After it had happened, <laughs> it, basically the, the snow came in. We talked about that last week. Yeah. And then they shifted courses. And basically once they, sh- once they shifted courses, Paul decided to go on to DDO. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is kind of unfortunate to have to have done that right before because harmony bends is like such an iconic course Mm -hmm. people always talk about i think it's the number one course in the u.s or pretty close to it it has been in the past and they had to shift it to um a a different park i forget what it was a little bit shorter more technical that's when i picked chris dickerson yeah that was that's when it was it worked out for you because you didn't know that before you picked him right no i knew that right before you did okay okay well that makes sense because i mean it's a putter course yeah so but it ended up not really working out because Kyle Klein, of all people, won. Yeah, that was that was a surprise to me whenever I saw it. Um, but, I mean, he hasn't been playing bad. His no. name just hasn't been up there that much. What's weird, though, is like I always picture Kyle Klein as a mini eagle. Yeah, I think of him like that a little bit, too. I mean, he looks like eagle. He mm-hmm. throws Discmania. He kind of throws like eagle. Yeah. So when I think of eagle, I don't think of technical wooded golf. Mm-hmm. Especially, I mean... Kyle Klein ended up winning by two over Emerson Keith and Chris Dickerson, um, which Chris Emerson, again, he's kind of in the same boat as Kyle Klein, where you don't really hear his name a lot this year, I feel like. Yeah, but I feel like he's a pretty good woods player, though, especially yeah. his short game is really good. Yeah, I'm he's actually... That, that weird throw putt is pretty, Yeah, looking at sick. his year, I mean, he's had a decent year, but nothing great. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the Pro Tour, he went, this is Emerson, 64th at Las Vegas, 
not great, especially for him. 11th at Waco, that's a little better. 16th at the Open at Belton, which was a uh, Silver Series. 16th at Texas State, which was a national tour. And then 46th at Jonesboro, second. So nowhere near what you would really expect from Emerson. Yeah, that's where it was so weird because I said like earlier that like nobody really showed up, but the people that did show up that were the big players other than Chris Diggerson, they were down there. They were they were pretty like mid to bottom. Yeah. Very few of them were up at the top. If you look at Drew Gibson was in 14th, Kevin Jones, 31st. Nico was in ninth, so Nico was able to get in the top 10, but that's not like something crazy impressive at this tournament yeah. all around. James Conrad was in 21st. Anthony Barella, 38th. Um, just saw another name, Michael Johansson, 48th. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, Ezra Robinson, uh, I thought that was Ezra Aderhold, but Ezra Robinson's still a really great player, 24th. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Ezra Aderhold, 44th. So, yeah, you're right. A lot the top players here, or like players that we mentioned a lot more on tour, for some reason did not do well out here. And it seems like the, the course was playing relatively easy, averaging nine under par, won it. But that's not anything crazy. Like yeah. that's You see that a lot on tour. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Kyle Klein taking it down on the men's side. The women's side, however, I was right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Heather Young. I mean, I took a shot in the dark there, but she took it down. This was another, this was a women's field that, again, it wasn't as full as you would see at a normal pro tour. We had Heather Young, Vanessa Van Dyken, Ella Midboom, Missy Gannon, uh, Kat Mersch, and then Rebecca Cox. After that, though, a lot of these names. Some of them tore a little bit here and there, but none of them are, are top, top pros. You're missing yeah. the Haley King, Paige Pierce, Katrina Allen, mm-hmm. those type players. But Heather Young was able to take it down, averaging slightly above her rating. Um, Vanessa Van Dyken coming second, and Ellen Widboom coming in third. Uh, no real surprises there to me, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah, I mean, the only kind of surprise is Missy Gannon probably would have had a, a shot at a win here. Yeah. Um, I think she actually talked about that some on the Nick and Matt show, didn't she? Yeah, on the Nick and Matt show, she talked about how um, she was just getting more comfortable with being on tour, period, and just was talking about... <laughs> <laughs> that was a little too high. <laughs> and she was, just, she was just talking about how um, a lot of performing well on the pro tour was getting comfortable in the field yeah. and, and really just in her headspace. And so I think that... And she talked about how... Her like unrealistic goal was she wanted to she wanted to finish top five, um, but her realistic goal was okay. I know That's it, pro tours. Yeah, pro general, tours. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. She said I know that I can do top tens though. But she's I mean she continued to be top five this week. So she she seemed very determined from watching her interview last week. So it wasn't surprising to me that she was at yeah. least top ten. But I kind of was expecting a little bit higher, honestly. Well, I mean, she came in fourth, but it was a silver yeah. series. But I mean, mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of surprised that she's saying her unrealistic goal is top five. Yeah, well, I think she might have been just been trying to be like modest. modest yeah. I was gonna say because so far she's went, she's only played bigger events. The smallest events she's played have been Silver Series, and she went ninth, ninth, third, fourth, fourth, seventh, fourth. So she's finished inside the top five one time more than outside the top five, and mm-hmm. she's never finished outside the top ten so far this yeah. year. So I mean, her realistic goal is definitely very realistic. Maybe by realistic she means like easily achieved. Yeah, yeah. I think um, she didn't want to be too hard on herself if she didn't finish top five, and she didn't want to come across like, oh, I'm definitely doing top five. Yeah. So I think she was just trying she to be, kind of be modest. being modest with that. And that's but. fair. It's always better to go on that side than to come out and say you're going to win every weekend and yeah. end up not. It is really interesting from watching her interview how, like, you know, I make the podcast clips for the Nick and Matt show, so I see a lot of the interviews, and they've been asking, uh, Matt has been asking a lot of questions just about how, like what, what it's like being on tour. And I feel like almost everybody that's come through is just talking about how important it is just to be comfortable on tour. And I think that that's really interesting that that's like one of their top answers is like, they don't necessarily always go into practicing their putting reps, but they go into just being comfortable and having like having friends and having good, like community on tour. Well, I think that's one of the things that you've seen. Um, at least I've seen kind of when I've went out on the road is like the players who are doing the best have that like kind of core support group mm-hmm. where they have three, four players, other players, maybe like husband and wife, like duos, whatever. And then they also have somewhere they can call home. I think that's the big thing is from the outside looking in, you look at these vans and RVs and stuff like that. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, like touring disc golf sounds amazing, but like, would I really want to live in that for yeah. mm-hmm. 95% of my year? Um, especially when you're someone who is high profile as like a Ricky or a Paul where you're like, 
my sponsor would pay for me to be in a hotel if yeah, I was there. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't I choose a hotel? I think what you're saying right there, that's a big part of it is being comfortable because then that RV becomes your home. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. that, when you park it, right, even though it's it might be not quite as quote unquote comfortable as staying in a hotel, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? There might be some situations where the bathroom or washer and dryer situation might not be as comfortable. Yeah. Um, but what is comfortable is you get to always come home to the same spot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a big part of it. But I think there's kind of two layers to that, too, of being comfortable on tour. And it'd be interesting to know which one Missy was talking about, because there's the being comfortable in that sense of like actually your RV life, your home life, whatever, where you you can, you know, nest, make a home. Mm -hmm. And then there's the being comfortable actually like on the courses. Yeah. Week in and week out. It's I think she was referring to both of them, but she definitely was more so referring to like the community, like making friends on on tour. Yeah. And then also I think also just getting used to the, you know, the the high end like competition. Yeah. As well. I which, think that's the the hard part for like I've seen some of my friends have been like that that trying to tour level where they're mm-hmm. just getting into the sport and they're trying to to make it on tour and they don't have the RV. They, you know, they don't want to sleep in their cars. Mm-hmm. So what it ends up being is like every single week you're in someone else's home. Yeah. And to me, the way I am, I'm a very like homebody. Like I love mm-hmm. being at home. Um, that would not go well with me. Yeah. I can do it for like two weeks, three weeks maybe. But like to go from March to October and you're always staying in someone else's bed. Like I'm always like worried I'm inconveniencing someone you know yeah, what I mean that's what you so, would, I would never get like actually comfortable yeah uh, like physically or like mentally because I would always be worried about like man am I, am I a burden to somebody yeah right and now? then like or, if like, someone didn't have a bath towel for you and you're like you know week one you're yeah. like okay I'll ask them but then like by like the 10th different house and yeah yeah I don't know. And then you if you do get too comfortable then you might not have a place to stay the yeah, next year you yeah, come back that's around true. that's true um yeah it's definitely an interesting dynamic um and it was something I actually want to talk about later in the show, but I think this is a perfect segue, which is another thing that we're starting to see is the sports in this kind of growth and transition period, right? Mm-hmm. Where the explosive growth that we've seen over the last year has revealed a lot of issues um, that we never had before. Yeah. But I think the issue with growth is when it happens as fast as it's happening in disc golf, you don't have time to to make sustainable, good changes. Mm-hmm. You You sometimes have to just react and do something. Uh, and I think one of the changes that we're starting to see become more and more of an issue, um, because what's going to be weird about this one specifically is the way the growth happened. It, it happened to where we've seen it in every aspect of disc golf, except for the fans on the pro tour, because okay. COVID obviously shut down yeah, people being yeah, able yeah. to be there. So we don't actually know how big these pro tour events are going to be and mm-hmm. how big of an issue player security that's true we haven't is. had a, a packed gallery since i mean the boom of disc golf exactly. this year so that'd be really interesting to see so what i think and i've i've heard some different stories i'm not going to mention names or who because i don't want you know this was kind of confidential when stuff was being said but there's been different instances where now that spectators are slowly being brought back there are some issues that you're being seen with player security and some of it is pro tour national tour that they can handle Mm -hmm. and some of it is just the way disc golf has been done might have to be relooked at because we just talked about rvs and vans yeah okay one thing that has always been done is like you want that marketing you know you you know what i mean you want that uh your face the name on the side all of that Mm -hmm. that's great up to this point that's like almost like free quote-unquote marketing because your vehicle you put your face on the side issue with that is now everyone knows where you are. Yeah, there's a big plastered picture of like you. Your van is your name tag as yeah. well. Like everybody just knows where you are. So all let's the time. let's just say James Conrad. Okay, mm-hmm. um, let's, he has his van with his face on the side. Yep. If I'm if I go on social media and like I'm I at this RV park because I'm in town for the DDO and I'm at an RV park and his van's parked at this RV park. Post a picture, boom! Now everyone knows where James Conrad is staying for that week. Yeah. The issue that could come in is people now are almost so comfortable with pros because the yeah. level of disc golf up to this point where mm-hmm. pros are your friends first, pros second a lot of yeah. times. But now it's like, oh, sick. Well, you know, I'm in the area. I'm going to just swing by and try to get James' signature. And like, you know, that kind of sounds so dumb. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, Hunter, no one will do it. That's kind of happening at some, at some points, right? Mm-hmm. People are overstepping because they feel like they know people. They're overstepping to be like, hey, can you sign this completely off the course? That is an issue with the players themselves. The players have to solve that issue. Yeah. 
what we're going to be even more interested in is the on the course issues because have you ever you've been to majors yeah like big tournaments right Mm -hmm. yeah so you've done a usdgc at least three times so you've experienced it the perfect usdgc is a perfect example yeah walking from hole 16 to 17 Mm -hmm. everyone makes that walk yeah okay when you're standing at the basket of 16 you're on the road yeah and then the players have to walk onto that road and walk up to 17 yeah in the past they have to walk through the gallery basically exactly in the past, and there's no one like holding ropes, separating the gallery, mm-hmm. making a room. Yeah. In the past, not a big deal. But USDGC is one of the bigger tournaments in the US. Mm-hmm. So we're talking a few thousand people. Let's yeah. say that next, let's say that this fall, this is a way too drastic number. I don't expect this, but let's say this fall, it was like 9,000 people or 10,000 okay. people. And now you're Ricky coming down the stretch, about walking to hole 17. It's like almost probably a quarter of a mile walk. Mm-hmm. You're trying to stay focused, tournament on the line. But you got to walk through 10,000 of your fans. Yeah. Yeah. 10,000 people that want to see you. Yeah. That's not happening in any other sport. That's for no. sure. There's going to be a few of them that don't get social cues of you don't yeah. talk to them right now. Mm-hmm. And then that's going to break your focus. That just messes you up. Another thing you have to start worrying about is like players bags getting stolen from warm-ups that's happened in the past but that's going to be a bigger and bigger issue yeah, i never even thought about that there's a lot of player parking where players can get out of their car get to their warm-up get to the mm-hmm. course and get back to their car safely yeah. without having to be mobbed or anything like that you know because the the issue with security is if you wait till something happens it's too late yep because mm-hmm. if you wait till a player literally gets jumped and their bag stolen it's too late yep you know what i mean so stuff needs to start happening being put in place now so that when we know how big we are and we know kind of what these tournaments are able to bring in because we're still months if not a year away from every tournament on tour being 100 percent yeah good to go yeah when that happens what on earth is it going to look like yeah that's that's such a good point because there's so many people that hadn't even heard of disc golf before and now they're crazy into it Mm -hmm. even just after this year or these few months really and and we are used to like i'm even used to especially being from charlotte like i see i see popular players all the time on courses yeah like especially whenever i have like hornet's nest that i that i play every couple weeks like i i see michael johansson out there like a good bit and i'm never walking up to him like hey man you want to play around but i've definitely said hi to him before and i've had a friend of mine ask for like a signature before and we're just so used to that um and i think it's really like we can speak from like a fan, like I can at least speak from like a fan's perspective of like, it's going to take some self-recognition, self-recognition from fans and like social awareness from fans and know like we can't treat all pros like they're our best friends whenever they're at a pro tournament. Yeah. Like we've, we've got to just be able to accept that, you know, this, this sport is growing and we can even get excited about it. The fact that like, it's definitely more of an elite sport now um, to where it's not just a backyard sport. Yeah. And, um, and it makes me excited, but we, we also have to be um, like self-aware enough to know uh, whenever I'm on a course watching a tournament, like I need to give them their space and yeah. treat them like they're professional athletes because they are. Yeah. And because like that would never happen. I mean, could you imagine if in football, whenever the players are running out onto the field, all the fans are just like on the walkway between <laughs> like the locker rooms and the field like that, that would be crazy. And yeah. so we, we have to, I agree with you that like we have, it, it's slow decisions that happen and, but it's definitely interesting to see how that's going to. Yeah. Work Cause out. one, one thing that I always, this, this topic has been brought up a few times, but I think that it's always been brought up as like, this is something in the future that we really need to start thinking about. Whereas now I'm like, no, this is kind of something that right now yeah. is, is it's, it might be an issue pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but something that I always thought of is Tiger Woods, his like one of his first wins back or when he was in, I think it was his first win back. I watched his like whole documentary on it um, back from his like back surgery and everything. Mm-hmm. He was coming down to like 18th green and golf is very good about, there's like a players and there's separation and then the, the crowd. A lot of times the crowd doesn't even walk in on the fairways. Like that's never even yeah. really allowed. Uh, and it's a very bi- good separation. So one thing that also does completely side note is it makes it more special when you do meet those players. Mm-hmm. Cause it then right now, you know, probably half the people listening to this podcast, if a pro tour has ever come to your area, you've met whatever player you want to meet. Yeah. It's super easy to do. Mm-hmm. Not saying that's a bad thing. That's just something that once there's 10,000 people, then you know paul and ricky and eagle having to sign 500 autographs now goes to them having to sign a thousand or ten thousand yeah you know what i mean as the sport grows that becomes more and more of an issue but uh regardless on 18 
Tiger's walking down. He has like the putt to win it. Mm-hmm. And he like, as he's walking and approaching the green, everyone wanted to be there and surrounding the green to see this moment happen. Yeah. So they just trampled security, basically. The, the ropes and everything they had up, they just trampled it. And so out of nowhere, you have literally thousands of people starting to surround the 18th green and Tiger's nowhere to be seen. Wow. And then you just see like a cop pushing through the, the crowd. And then once the cop pushes through, Tiger's right behind him. And he comes through to tap out his putt to win. Wow. And everyone in golf is like freaking out. Like, oh my word, this is such a like special moment. Look at this. This has never happened, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then like I've heard multiple disc golfers look at it and we're all looking at it and we're like, it just kind of looks like worlds. Like there's yeah. just yeah. like obviously there's a lot more people, but mm-hmm. like to us it's not weird to see a huge crowd and Paul emerge from the crowd or Ricky emerge from the crowd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not like an odd thing. But in that moment, like the PGA tour is freaking out because Tiger at any moment was just swarmed. Yeah. And he still yeah, has yeah. to finish. Mm-hmm. That's something that they obviously have like high restrictions on mm-hmm. and it looks so weird to them. Because that sport's kind of gotten there to where yeah. there has to be that separation. To us, it just looks normal. Yeah. But that's definitely something that, I don't know, I wanted to bring it up because it, it it's technically like the fan responsibility. Yeah. You expect the fan to be have some common sense and know mm-hmm. these things. But you also kind of have to assume that they don't. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because 95% of them do, but the 5% that don't, or the 5% that don't care if they do know yeah. are, is what causes issues. Yeah. So you almost have to treat everyone like they're dumb because of the few that are. And I, think, and I think it is important that like as we're making these rules and uh, finding ways to, to make it to where they're not crowding players, we also still keep like the passion that's in disc yeah. golf. Because I know a lot of the players... That's a tough balance. And a lot of the players love it. They love whenever there's a, the gallery cheering them on and stuff like that. And um, because th- we've seen multiple interviews of, the, of them saying that. Uh, but um, but like thinking, like me thinking of like, if I'm at USDGC, if there's some ropes and it's just guided like, hey, uh, I, I would actually think it'd be better. Yeah. Because then you don't have to worry about like fighting for your spot at the next place or like uh, trying to make sure you can see. Because if there's ropes, everybody has to stand over here, has to follow this line and you don't feel like you've got to like, you've got to run to the next yeah, place. It's a strategy. I don't know like, it, yeah. I don't know if our v- listeners have ever been to a mm-hmm. world or USCGC, but like when I've went and I'm just in the crowd just watching mm-hmm. whatever going down it's literally a strategy of like when do you leave and go to the next hole yeah because yeah. you want to especially like i always liked being on the green yeah so i got to watch the shots come in the putts because a lot of times you could watch most most of the hole that way so i'd always like get to the green set up as close to the front as i could and then once everyone was inside the circle i would literally just take off like jogging yeah to try to get to the next hole yeah um but you're right like and you also it, have to decide, like, which hole do I care about more? Yeah. Like, do I want to watch, like, just this part of this hole, or do I want to go to that hole and watch them put on Yeah, it's hole? kind of stressful, mm-hmm. but... Um, but it's so much fun, though. No, it is. I'm exci- I'm so excited for that stuff to open back up, because that is a that is such a fun thing to do in disc golf. Oh, yeah. it, Like, it made me so much more into disc golf. Like, I was pretty into it the first time I went to USCGC, and then me and my friends got together and went, and leaving USCGC, I was just so much more of a fan of disc golf. It Absolutely. Was so cool. I mean, watching it in per- it's like any sport. Yeah. Watching it in yeah, person yeah, yeah. makes it so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree with you that like, we have to be careful how it's implemented because you want to, it's a weird balance because you want to keep that closeness to the sport and closeness, like grassroots type feel for the fans and for the players while still treating the players like professional athletes and making sure that there mm-hmm. is that separation. Yep. I don't think that player, I don't think that fans should uh be like in bleachers and like designated like spots where yeah like i like the the fans walking down the fairway and like getting to watch because that gives you the best angles you get to watch them actually hit this line or actually Mm -hmm. scramble and you're right there and you know full well like okay yeah i could not do what that guy just did yeah because you got you saw it you know watching on jomez or on youtube or whatever you a lot of times you can watch and you'd be like what why is everyone freaking out over that shot like yeah but then you're in person you're like oh my word yeah because you can actually you like what you said you can compare it to i can't do that on tv you can do anything yeah and so you're watching you're like oh i could totally throw that yeah but if you're in person and you're watching and you're like okay if i was here like i'm watching paul set up for his shot i'm like okay what would i throw here yep probably try to throw the same thing as paul except for it would hyzer out really early (laughs) but um you can think like you can see him throw something on a frozen rope for like 420 feet and you're like oh my gosh i have to throw a 
huge, the biggest flex line of my life to yeah. get there. Like it, it's that's it's, it's just, just so a whole cool. different. It's thing. so exciting. That's why I hope like they're able to keep that. I think the yeah. answer is just more volunteers that are holding the ropes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where they're able to wrap it and then yeah. like tell spectators where to go and where not to go. And be willing to kick spectators out if they break it. Yeah. So like if a if a spectator does cross that rope and try to get up in front wherever, mm-hmm. be willing to say like, hey, we have the park shut down. Get and out I don't here. think that'd be too much of a problem. Like no. I don't think people would have a hard time with it. People are a lot. Of, a lot of tournaments are almost there. Yeah. I think yeah, yeah. the the biggest issue that I think is still present is the war- the parking warm up to the first tee. Mm-hmm. So getting from their cars to the warm up area and from the warm up area to the first tee. I think that type that needs a little bit more separation so that players can actually get in the zone and warm up and when they show up they can choose to interact with fans like if yeah. you have like designated rope areas where fans can watch the players get out of their car and go to the warm up zone and then if a player like Paul gets out of his car and it's worlds and he's the final round he's dialed he doesn't want to see anyone mm-hmm. he can he can choose to do that yeah but if it's the first round and he's like yeah I'm going to go say hi to everyone then he can walk up and sign stuff at the rope. Yeah, that's what like that's why it shouldn't be that hard for people to adjust to it. Yeah, because like Paul, after most tournaments, he like has a designated time that's set up to yeah. like sign discs and stuff. And I don't think that would, and especially because players know that like getting their fans to like them is what's going to make them more money because they're going to sell more discs. Yeah, like if if Paul's a super nice guy, which he is, then I would be way more willing to be like I want to support Paul more. Yeah, and so. For sure, I say Paul because that's how I was early, like early on in disc golf, and still I'm just a huge Paul fanboy. Yeah, and I think that <laughs> that goes for like 99 percent of players. Yeah, but there is yeah. there is the time where a player finishes a round and they just shot and two they, over yeah. par, and they don't want to see anyone. And that's and totally that should be fine too. Yeah, but right now they don't have that option because right now mm-hmm. if you don't want to see anyone, I have to you address have to, you face you to have, face. Yeah, at, you have to look down and just plow yeah. through them, or you're gonna say I don't want to. Even at that, you yeah. know, you might be literally like getting in your car and someone's walking up to you, yeah. and you're like. I do not want to see anyone right now. Like if you if you say the wrong thing, I'm going to punch you. But yeah, I'll sign your disc because like, what else am I going to do? You're you pin yeah. me up against my car. I mean, Paul can't even go to Chipotle and not get someone to sign his disc. Yeah, I know that because I have a friend that texted me like last week and was like, "Hey, I just saw Paul at Chipotle." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that we, as a sport, have to continue thinking about and figuring out the sustainable solutions so that we can implement them now and not have to make drastic changes as we grow yeah so something that we can do and we know when we get to 50 100,000 people we can keep this in place mm-hmm. uh, that's definitely a key uh, really quick before we jump into the next segment i do want to mention the battle for bedford uh registration is about to open uh this upcoming weekend um on this friday the april 30th it'll open to the sponsors of the tournament uh they'll take up a few of the spots and then Saturday, May 1st, I believe it is. Actually, let me look at the calendar before I sound like an absolute fool. Uh, yeah, Saturday, May 1st, it opens to 1,000-plus rated MPO players, 950-plus rated FPO players. On May 3rd, it opens to 975-plus rated MPO and 920-plus rated FPO. That's just to make sure that we don't have... We have several... Uh, higher tier pros that had said they wanted to get in so this makes sure it gives them plenty of time but then may 7th next friday a week and one day from today uh is when it fully opens to everyone uh there's tons of spots so i would be shocked if it filled but if this is an event that you're really wanting to play in um you're definitely going to want to be on the site on disc golf scene on may 7th uh to make sure you get in um we're going to have a few events leading up the week of uh, week of the tournament the tournament goes friday saturday sunday we'll probably have like a foundation versus the nation assuming covid guidelines and everything allow us to do so uh hopefully do like a flex start uh, i think we're gonna do a charity flex start for the palm beth foundation um so if you want to come make a week out of it play all the courses that you see in our videos uh hopefully get to you know meet paul brody uh us all of that um definitely it's going to be a super fun event we are stoked and if you're an mpo or fpo or age-protected professional and you're looking at it should you play in this tournament uh we have at least guaranteed at least ten thousand dollars added to the professional purse that is continuously growing um but right now it's at least ten thousand might be able to announce it a little bit more as we get closer to the event but it's definitely going to be uh I- i'm very very excited for this and event. these are some really good courses yeah there, there are some great courses. Yeah. I'm very, very excited for the product that we're putting together. You're not going to want to miss it. So May 7th, uh, for everyone, 
general public, that is when the registration opens. Um, there are tiered registration guidelines for other people. So you can check it out on discgolfscene.com. Just search Battle for Bedford and it will come up. Um, now, instead of Trevor's trivia, because if you've been listening to this and you don't already know, Trevor's not here. Should be pretty obvious. Instead of Trevor's trivia, we're going to do a, a Connor quiz. <laughs> Um, it doesn't have alliteration, but it both has a <laughs> sound. Yeah, Connor quiz. Mm-hmm. I spelled quiz with a K because <laughs> we can. Um, so basically, we're just gonna get to know you a little bit because I feel like our audience doesn't really know you much. Yeah, because you're always think, behind the camera. You're always editing stuff. Yeah. You're always you mainly know, what they know about me is just from the one video where I made an appearance wearing shorts. Jorts, yeah, yep. which I am wearing jorts today. Just full disclosure. He sure is. Uh, and if they watch our office vlogs, they just yeah, got a, they got true. a lot of Connor, but they they, ha- they don't know Connor. They don't know you. You know what I mean? They still spell your name with a C. <laughs> so we're gonna get them to know the, the Connor with a capital K. Uh, so let's just start it off real early. How did you get into disc golf? <laughs> Where were you born? No. How did <laughs> you get into disc golf? How did you find this sport? So uh, I. My brother-in-law Cody, he played disc golf whenever I was really young. Whenever I was in, whenever I was in like elementary school through middle school, he played with his friends all the time. And he had this DX Wolf nice. that he would take out the DX Wolf and this like 15-year-old DX AVR, mm. and he would just go out there and just tomahawk the crap out of everything. And he was great. <laughs> he was great. And um, so I'd never played with him. I just like heard about him going and playing and stuff like that. So that's how I knew disc golf existed. But I didn't actually go play um, until I was a senior in high school. Mm. And um, me and my friends were literally just looking for another hobby. And someone was like, I found like my parents' old discs in the attic. Um, like, I want, like, we should go play disc golf. And so I went to Dick's and I bought a DX Wraith and a DX Colt because it had a gun on it. And I thought that was cool. <laughs> and so, uh, and we went and played and... I, I was terrible, but it was so much fun. It was just, I mean, everybody knows this, that's in disc golf. It's so addictive as yeah. soon as you start doing it. And so like that day I, f- I left the course, like we all said bye and everything. I went to my house, I pulled up YouTube on the TV and watched, um, and watched clinics and watched form videos from Paul and Nate. And like, I literally stood in my living room and just practiced the X step over and over and over again and like took form very seriously. And it took, I'm, I'm, I'm a hobbyist like crazy. So it does not take long for me to get into something. So literally like that week I was ordering discs off Amazon nice. and like by the end of the month I had a bag full of discs and was playing every single day. And that's then me, the way to do it. You know, that's what we tell every beginner. Buy as many discs as buy possible. Buy 30 discs. Buy a legacy a legacy 14-speed driver and you're going to throw so far. Yeah, it's going to work out <laughs> great for you. Um, but we, yeah, we literally, me and my friends played every day after that and we were like, what did we do before disc golf? I guess we just sat down and watched YouTube videos. But like, <laughs> literally there's like, there's no before disc golf. Yeah. Like it, and so ever since then, I've just been playing a lot. Super nice. fun. So you're, you're from Charlotte, right? So what, yes. what was your first course? Okay. That you played? My first course that I played was a little course called um, Crooked Creek. Uh, actually, it's called. It's at Crooked Creek Park. I don't. I think okay. I can't remember what the name it's of like the, something at Crooked yeah, Creek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a super fun. It's a super fun like pitch and putt course, and actually was posted by Innova on their Instagram a couple years ago as like the best pitch and putt course in America. Really? Yeah. It, it's, it's so good. It's like the pars are way too easy. Like there are par fours that shouldn't be par. There shouldn't be any par fours. But it is a really fun course. Super fun. Nice. I'll take you there sometime. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I mean, you want to go after work? Yeah. Let's just drive the three hours, three and a half hours, and go play Crooked Creek or something at Crooked Creek. <laughs> That's what we call it. Something. Something. We'll yeah. play something around a disc golf at something park. Um. So when you first started, play Crooked Creek. Uh. Did you? You never really played tournaments much, did you? Mm-mm. I still haven't really played very much. So then that eliminates my second question. No. Yeah. Were you going to ask what the first tournament I played? Yeah. I was just going to, I was just going to kind of slowly inch towards if you knew what your rating was. <laughs> but Did I, you look up my rating? I don't know it. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, you, you told me it was like in the 700s or 800s. Uh, it's got to be low 700s. Low. Okay. Well, like, now I gotta look it up. All I've played is I was on the team at Liberty with Hunter, is, um, is like, I, as soon as I got to Liberty, I heard about the disc golf team and wanted to join it. So I did that. And um, th- that was like the first rated tournament I'd ever played. And I played so bad. Should and I re- then I, I renew played... your membership right now? What? Should I renew your membership? Do it. Renew it. No, I'm not. That's like <laughs> 75 bucks. Yeah, I know. That's why I don't. That's why I want you to <laughs> renew it. Uh, but um, 
So yeah, I played awful there, and then everything else we played on the team was doubles. Like because yeah. I was never on our top flight, so I never played any singles. Played a lot of doubles, and so my ratings never got better. Okay, best disc golf moment up to this point. Ooh, in your personal game, my personal game, not like you witnessed something. Okay, like you, best thing you've ever done. First time I ever played Falling Creek, it was okay. the old layout. Yeah, before it got, before it was redone. Mm-hmm. Uh, red tees. Or red red baskets. Yeah, 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 yeah. I we played a tag match there. I was on a card with Christian. Yep. And oh, who else was there? They all saw my disc, but I don't remember who else. Was. I think I think I don't think I wasn't on. No, I don't remember. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But we were we walked up to a hole. I'd never played the course before, and I was newer on the team. And uh, they were like, "Yeah, just let you know, this hole is like." stupid you can't get to the basket at all like you 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 can try to throw a skip shot to get there but you're not going to get to the basket and basically these these two huge like bushy pine trees and you just got a gap underneath there's no straight shot and then it was about like 320 feet and then like a little bit to the left but it was all clear up there once you got past the streets but they're like there's literally nothing you do you just throw as hard as you can a driver underneath the trees and try to skip up there and then i looked up and i saw like a little where the trees separated i saw like a little spot up there I was like, I'm just going to throw one of my flippy flat top Casey rocks through there because I'm just like Paul Macbeth. <laughs> and so, um, and so I just took my rock and I threw it up there and this, I, I used to be a lot better at disc golf than I am now because I, I probably couldn't do this now and it flipped perfectly. And then we heard chains and it went into the basket and they all started freaking out. And I was just like, like <laughs> it was just so amazing. So yeah, that was my first ace. Oh, that so was that, your first That ace. was my first ace. Yeah. Dang. So it was pretty cool. That's, that's pretty sick. That's actually fun. a really good one to get. Uh, so now it's obviously you do all of our camera shooting, editing, yep. camera shooting. That's how you say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, videography, editing, uh, producing the shows, all of that. When did you get into that stuff? <laughs> um, I was talking to somebody about this a couple of weeks ago and I realized how long I haven't been doing this. Nice. But I actually, um, not even a year, probably from now, like from not now. even a year ago, not even a year ago. How long have you worked here? Not a year. <laughs> <laughs> I think I started editing. How long had you been doing it before we hired you? Two months. Oh, okay, that's not as bad as I thought. But I edited one video. Yeah, you kind of swindled me a little bit. But oh, I totally did. Yeah. What? Uh, so, yeah, I haven't been doing it long at all. But like I said, I'm a hobbyist. So as soon as I watched a YouTube video on filmmaking, I was in it. And I was like, I want this camera. And I got it. And I just didn't stop watching YouTube videos because I don't like to do things unless I already know everything about it. Yeah. And so I knew everything about it and I had didn't have much experience though. So I shot a video for a nonprofit organization that I work with and it was pretty cool. My parents told me that I did a good job. So that means that it was great. <laughs> and then uh, can, I, can I just say like how I got the job? Yeah, I don't care. Okay. So um, I texted Hunter because I'd been following Foundation since the start of it because I knew Hunter. And um, I texted him. I was like, hey, man, uh, I don't know if you guys just need any extra help, like stocking shelves or anything, but I'm looking for a job and I would love to do it. And he texted me back, which is great because I didn't even expect a text back. Or you a, messaged me on GroupMe. Group because yeah. I didn't have your number. Yeah. So like, I didn't expect a message back, which was super cool that you messaged me back and said no because most people just wouldn't say anything. But he messaged me back and said, we're actually, we don't need any help right now, but I pre- I'll let you know if we do end up needing help, which is like... I, I was just blown away that he even was nice enough to say anything because a lot of people would just not respond him. Um, and so I was like, cool. And so I was like a little bit bummed because I really, I thought it'd be really fun to work here. And then he messaged me like 30 minutes later. And I was like, actually, I'll just, I just found the messages. I can really, verify what he's saying. <laughs> actually, you were like, actually we are in need of an editor. Do you do any editing? And I messaged him back and I was like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> boy, do I. Yeah, I was like, oh, I absolutely do. Because I was even thinking in my head, What's whenever I was trying to... When I just looked at, you, I asked about... So you, you brought... You mentioned briefly in that first message, you did video stuff. That's right. That's and then right. I asked you about a portfolio after after you uh-huh. said you did editing. And you just sent me your, your Lightroom portfolio of just pictures. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Think, I don't even know if I opened it, to be honest with you. That's fine. That's <laughs> fine. Yeah, it's literally just pictures. Yeah. Like, it's no... It's, I think I saw it come across like, there's no videos in there. And then yeah. carry on. And so, um, so he... 
messaged me back and was like, okay, great. Well, we're going to have you shoot. It happened very quickly. He was like, we're going to have you shoot our challenge video next Tuesday, and then you edit it and everything, and then we'll use it as like a trial run and see how people react to it, um, and then think and talk about possibly hiring you. And I was like, okay, sick. And then I was like, I've never shot sports before. I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't even have a zoom lens. Like I only had prime lenses, which just let you know that means lenses that don't zoom. <laughs> and so I was like, how am I going to do this? So I got two of my friends. I was like, hey, will you guys just go throw some and I'm going to practice just kind of following you. And we did that and I got super distracted and made my friend a really funny video of him falling down nice. and didn't really practice that much. And then I went and shot the video with you guys. I was super nervous. I walked in here expecting to see my friends, but it felt really weird because I'd only watched you on YouTube for like the past year. Yeah. I hadn't and seen so you in a long time. what I hadn't seen you in a long time. Yeah, exactly. So I felt like we were friends and I walked in here. I looked at you guys and I was like, never mind. This is weird. <laughs> and, so, um, and, uh, but we went and shot that video, and it was really fun. I had a lot of fun what with you guys. What was the first one? Drilling holes in discs. Yeah, it was the... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I think, that now. Like, one of the first comments was, who's the guy behind the shaky camera? <laughs> 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 but I did that. It took me so long, because I was so nervous about it. And then I did something wrong whenever I uploaded it. Like, oh, there was like... There was like four minutes of just black screen. Yeah, you left end. that after. I remember that too. I remember that too. Because um, I contemplated if I should take it down and edit it or if I should text yeah, you and have yeah. you edit it. And so I was like nervously like the whole week just like anxiously checking comments and like just seeing like do people like it? Do people like it? And a lot of people liked it. Like there was a lot of positive comments on it about like, oh, I love the new style. Like I love how serious you guys are taking it. Stuff like that. And so I texted Hunter and I was like, seems like people really like it. And he was like, all right, well, we're going to talk to paul and brody and then yeah next thing you know yeah one thing that i'll say that you always been good at a lot better than me is reading the positive comments because <laughs> i breeze right yeah. past them i read them and oh, i appreciate yeah. them but then if the if like there's 10 comments in a row mm-hmm. that say like man hunter great shot on whole 10 and there's one comment that like wow hunter you suck i'm like dang everyone thinks i suck <laughs> yeah. what the heck's going on no he very much is like that and i i send you texts like some, yeah. somewhat often of just like People are really liking this about you in this video or stuff like that. I've definitely texted you like that yeah. before. And he's like, I don't even see stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten better. I, I don't care about the comments as much now. Yeah. I look at the like to dislike ratio. And as long as the like to dislike ratio is yeah. up, or, up there. Because one thing I keep telling myself, I don't know if it's true or not, but I like how it, I like how it sounds, so I keep saying it, is that if you watch something or you look at something on social media and you agree with it, the most you're going to do is like yeah you're not like it's gonna take something that you really love for you to comment so if you like something and it's good then you'll like it Mm -hmm. or you might just scroll past it yeah but then if there's something that you dislike 90 percent of the time you're commenting about how much you dislike it Mm -hmm. so that's what i keep telling myself is i'm like all i'm just reading the people who didn't like it like our comments are majority positive though it depends on the video but I, it also depends on the mood I'm in when I'm reading them. Now, I, I, think I might just look at the positive comments mainly. I don't know if, if you guys... I think the comments are majority positive now. Yeah. There was a span when I was getting a lot worse and Trevor was getting a lot better. And we were also <laughs> trying everything different with video, trying yeah. to figure out the best style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was the perfect storm yeah. for bad comments. Yeah. And it was it was rough. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there's going to be a rough period of trying to make things better. Yeah. Because... I mean, look at this podcast, for example. This is like third or fourth new studio in the last like three months. But hey, I think this one's going to change it next week. I'm just kidding. No, (laughs) No. this one's this one's good. We got our tables. Yeah, we got our tables. Yeah, these tables are really nice. Yeah, they are. It worked out great. Amazon. (laughs) Actually, Amazon. Amazon. Everything. (laughs) Not really. No, but but yeah. This episode is brought to you by (laughs) Amazon.com. Not a sponsor. Um, I've always wanted to say that. (laughs) I don't know why. I got to you, you lobbed me a softball. But yeah, no, it's definitely been it's definitely been fun. Actually, we got a message on a live stream once uh asking about how to get a job in disc golf. And mm-hmm. I feel like the majority of jobs in disc golf come the way you just said, which yeah. is like you have somewhat of a connection to someone and you just message them. And then man, they suck you in. Yeah, but And then you change your whole life plan because you're like this is so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was all. Awesome. That's another story. That's a whole different yeah. story. Um but no, that's something that like uh I'm a big Gary V listener. Mm-hmm. And it's something that he always talks about. This has nothing to do with disc golf, but it kind of does. Is like and when you when you have something and you know you want to work in an industry and you're really trying to work in that industry, but 
it's hard to get into because it's always hard to get your dream job. Yeah. But then just message a lot of people that are doing exactly what you want to do and just offer to work for free. Mm. Just be like, look, here's what I can do. Because um, for me, it was graphic design. That's what before I started foundation, that's what I was thinking. And I did this with a ton of people. It didn't really amount to anything, but it could have. <laughs> um, I, I got to do a few cool things, but I would message people and just be like, hey, I'm a graphic designer. Like, if you ever need a logo, website, anything like that, like message me. I would love to do it for free. Like I'm just, I would yeah. love to work with you. I really love your brand. I really love your, you know, personality on YouTube. Like it, it would mean a lot if I could just learn from you. Yeah. And you never know where that goes. Yeah. It's all about like you, everybody has a like specific set of skills. Yeah. And, um, if like you Liam Neeson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you find out how the things that you're good at, can benefit somebody else mm -hmm. and you and you go tell them that you'd like to help them out and tell them how you can help them out yeah and then yeah i think i think you're right you don't you don't ask for a job at first no i mean i didn't ask you for an editing job i asked if you needed help stocking shelves which we didn't at that time which you didn't yeah yeah um but uh and then you've, you've yeah you just asked like hey man i'd love to help you with this i think that this can like yeah what you just said basically yeah. i mean I, well, think, that's what, yeah, um, I, I think i can help out in this way i'd love to help you out with it and it's also just timing because you weren't yeah you weren't yeah, yeah. the first person to reach out mm. and offer that same like editing shooting set of skills um but you were the one that asked at the right time and you already had a relationship with me so it was, yeah. it was a easier yeah, yeah, a much true. easier decision to make that's but true. it was but yeah i mean had it been two months earlier you wouldn't have been hired because we we couldn't have done it you know what i mean um it's crazy but yeah it's just it's it's timing. It's just how things work. But uh, speaking of timing, the dy dynamic discs open is mm -hmm. going on actually right now. So we're shooting this. This is Wednesday at one twenty-five p.m. is when we're shooting this. So I do want to look at a little bit of like what's currently going on out there on the course. Yeah. Some of the stuff might change uh, at, from recording this episode to when it releases. Um, well, one thing won't change. Brody's done with his round. Well, every, a lot of people are done with their round. Uh, but yeah, there's, yeah, there's some so. things to look at. Uh, one of them being Brody. Brody Smith was seven down through 11. Yeah. Okay. And that's all you need to know. Don't worry about the rest of it. No, he ended up no, going. He, he still ended up finishing. Well. He, he ended up fine. Was he seven through 11? He was seven through 11. Yeah. So he was eight through 10. Mm. Six, seven, yeah, yeah. He was eight yeah. down through 10, then bogeyed 11 and then triple bogeyed 12. And then went birdie, eagle, birdie, par, birdie, par to finish. To go back At to nine down. nine down, which is a good round. Right now, he is currently tied for fifth. Uh, John Jones, who Trevor picked, is yeah. tied with Brody right now. Yeah, last week I did, I did notice. That. Um, which we'll talk about our dark horse picks for this week later. The hot round currently though is tied between Ben Callaway and Andrew Presnell at thirteen under par. Andrew Presnell. This course is playing relatively easy, although I do want to highlight one thing um, on here. How do I sort? That's how I sort it. So Zach Melton right now through nine holes is currently sitting at one over par. How many birdies do you think he has through nine holes to be sitting at one over par? To be sitting at one over par? Well, considering Brody got quite a few bogeys and quite a few birdies. I'll tell here. I'll, I'll, let me go. Let me go a little bit farther. He's one over par. One over par. He only has two pars through nine holes. How many birdies bogey mixed? I just want to. I just want you well, to guess. If he's got two pars mm -hmm. through through nine holes, like how many birdies does he have, and how many bogeys does he have through nine holes, with two only two pars? I'm gonna say he's got. The only way you would guess this is if you'd seen it. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> I'll say he's got. Does he have uh, two bogeys and a double? No. Uh, so he took an 11 on hole one. Oh, oh my gosh. What was the par for hole one? Four. What, how did, was there, was there a lot of OB? Yeah. He, so he, he went seven over on the first hole and then went birdie, 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 par, birdie, birdie, birdie. So he went six <laughs> down after hole oh one. Oh my God. So, but. Uh, the poor guy. He I had, mean, wait, I mean, he was, he, he was had devoted four, after that though. Four OB strokes on the first hole. And oh Zach Melton, nicest guy on tour. Mm. by far so i'm stoked that he was able to somehow get six birdies since then hopefully he's yeah. able to finish out his round that's awesome but i mean yeah he was cow. still so he was one over par after the front nine yeah he's oh. sitting he's through nine right now one over par that's rough with man with an 11 
That's rough, man. I would, I would love to see what happened. I would love to as well. Like, cause was it just like, was it bad throws or was it, was it just like he got unlucky? I mean, the wind right now is only seven miles an hour. Does it tell you that on on Udisk Live? Does it tell you, oh, they're just unlucky? Yeah, that's actually a stat right here. (laughs) Unluckiness. No. He just has four OB strokes. That's all it says. Four OB throws. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. Yeah. I I saw that this uh, this morning. I was looking, when I was looking through everything, I saw him. It just kept going up. It was like, Mm -hmm. on fairway after seven throws. On fairway after nine throws. In circle one, I was like, what is going on? (laughs) And then, yeah, he took an 11. But yeah, Ben Callaway and Andrew Presnell right now. Justin Rozak, um, which we'll go ahead to Dark Horse picks. Is, yeah, isn't he your Dark it. Horse pick? He's my Dark Horse pick, dude. Oh, frick. I don't know if you Trevor... You explain I, it? No, he, he did. Dark he did, Horse pick. Uh, Trevor did tell me his Dark Horse and pick. And you tell Trevor's, and let me find who my guy was okay. again. So my Dark Horse pick, as you just heard, is uh, Justin Rozak. And we know Justin, uh, but... I've picked him before. Okay, you but have. That's, I mean, it's fair. I've just I I wasn't I wasn't sure about picking him, but I ended up going for it. Um, but this weekend we shot a tournament, the Mountain Mayhem, in, mm-hmm. like in Roanoke. Yep. And he, the part of the course that was big and open, like an Emporia, is uh, he did he crushed he crushed and he putted well. Um, he really he ended up getting uh, third in that tournament. Um, but it was mainly, he lost his strokes in the woods and he didn't really have to, doesn't really have to deal with too much woods here. And so I feel like he's going to be crushing and he's going to be putting and I think he's going to play well. So I chose Justin, Justin, there you go. Yeah. I believe in you. Don't let me down. It well, seems like he's, is, what, how's he doing? Yeah. So he's 11 down through 17 Ooh, right now. <laughs> yes. He's currently two strokes out of the lead. I, did, I didn't go for what I, I didn't go for a really low rated player this time though. Usually I like to go for the I mean, low he's rated not, players. He's not the highest rated. He's not. Possible. Where, but what, where what's he rated? Uh, I think he's, he's like 987. See, that's high for 988. Me, Justin Rosak. Usually I pick in the 970s though. So I actually, I don't know how my player's doing. We picked these players before they teed off. To yeah. be fair, yeah, yeah. Uh, I picked Nolan. I thought I was looking at him while they teed off, and I thought about maybe cheating a little bit, but I didn't. Yeah, I didn't cheat at all. I literally just went straight to the list and scrolled, and I chose Nolan Ramser because he's nine ninety eight rated and he's located in Kansas. So I was thinking, like, if the wind picked up, this guy knows how to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see how my guy's doing. Let me uh, command F and search this thing. Nolan Ramser, my guy's one down through three. So that's. I, he did, he's okay he didn't he blow didn't, up he didn't yeah, take an 11 he didn't on get one. four bogey strokes we're okay yeah. but yeah justin rosak 11 down through 17 that's great Can justin you, thank geez. you man thank you he still has three more rounds to go who is uh who is trevor's pick trevor's pick can i tell you exactly what he said yes i said trevor do you want to make a dark horse pick and he said while he's sitting on the beach reading from his kindle fire probably he said <laughs> yeah i want jc kester just look at his PDGA profile pick and you'll understand. What is his pre- Okay, well, now I've got to click on him. JC Kester. Oh, it's him throwing a tomahawk into the face of the Hulk. <laughs> it's literally like him throwing off the front of the tee and the Hulk standing in front of him. That's like, amazing. Yeah. So. And he's doing pretty good. He's four down through five. I mean, Trevor looked into it enough to find profile pictures. I mean, he could have just clicked on a random guy's name. Because JC Kester is pretty close to 1,000. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Trevor does He's like to go for those close. Nine ninety-seven. So it's I've cheap, got him by cheap. one rating point. You guys got to believe in people that. I mean, it's worth. I don't for believe you right in ratings. Now. Like ratings doesn't show how good you are. Like this isn't a ratings podcast, but I ratings are ridiculous. <laughs> uh, I love how we always talk about how we don't care about ratings, and then like the first thing I look at is like, what's just really yeah, like rated? Yeah, yeah. Nine eighty-eight. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. Oh well. Um, you literally told you me good? yesterday how it's your pet peeve whenever this thing isn't wrapped around and mine was just dangling there the whole time. <laughs> okay, so looking at the DDO though, I mean, it kind of looks a little calm out there right now, which I think is why this course is playing easy. Yeah, it's pretty, I think it was like a four mile per hour wind whenever I checked it. Yeah, right now it's seven. Yeah. And uh, this course is definitely designed with wind in mind. Um, yeah. Wind is what makes it more difficult. Uh, it looks like 66 degrees is what you had said at the moment. It's 73 mm-hmm. right now. I think you picked that a little bit early in this morning. Um, yeah, it was earlier. It does look kind of dry the rest of the week, though, and then there's possible possibility of a windy Saturday, a it's windy mist- final day. Whenever I checked it, it was misty. It said it was misty, okay. and it's like a 60% chance of rain. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, But it's supposed to be dry the rest of the week, so yeah, yeah. hopefully that shouldn't be too bad. Everybody will just be playing better. So let's uh, let's go ahead and jump straight to predictions. Who do you have taken down? Who's your top three? Now, this is a rare occasion because we can actually look at some rounds coming in out there. Yeah, I haven't seen them. If you them. want to. 
I haven't seen them. Okay. I'm not um, going to use them. Well, no, nobody had, whenever I was picking, nobody had, uh, of my picks were teed okay. off yet. I haven't made my picks yet. So I'm going to you say your picks right first. on the bandwagon, but I have reasoning. I'm going to go Paul Ricky Calvin. <laughs> uh, I don't believe Ricky's here this week. Is it, I thought I saw his name on there. His name is on there, but I could have swore. I actually literally was talking to Ricky. I believe he is back what home you, because he's talking to Ricky. His sister has a uh, brain cancer. Oh. Uh, or a brain tumor right now and um we i was just seeing if there was anything the foundation could do we oh, it, we shared cool. his uh she has a gofundme um mm-hmm. set up you can look if you go uh, let me see her name i believe it is lauren uh lauren waisaki mays uh you can go to her gofundme uh he said he was headed back to south carolina to see her wow um that was on that was yesterday and i believe he posted yeah, 18 hours ago, he took an overnight flight to see her. Um, so unless he came back for the tournament, which I do not believe. Well, then I'm just going to throw out a provisional. Yeah, you can you can keep him in your pick because he does have a 120 tee time. Like that, uh, like that term there? So well, he does, he's, on the, he's on the feature. Well, I'm just trying to figure this out because he is on the like the live feature card. Is Check the scoring. Should he, has he teed off yet? No, it's 120, so he'd okay. be teeing off in an hour. Um so if he did come back, then he he flew home, saw his sister in the ICU, and then came back to play, which I he could do. It just seems unlikely to me. Okay. Um, but well, yeah, go he, go for it. You if he him. doesn't, my provisional will be. Which by the if you weren't listening, uh, yeah, I was proud of you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but my provisional will be Paul Calvin Nico. Nico. Oh. Now I know that's weird, but I feel like you he know he does. He does do good here. I yeah, and I have to honor Trevor a little bit. Trevor's a big Nico fan, so whenever he's not here, I'm gonna pick Nico for him. That's valid. But I will say I didn't just I picked Paul Rick. I picked Paul and Ricky and Calvin originally for good reason. Obviously, some best players right now. Yeah. Um, and I chose Paul. Paul's been a little bit out of it, but he won last time. And I think he's won like three of the last four years. Yeah. Or something and like that. It's just it's a good course for him. There's nothing there's nothing to throw him off his game. He's not gonna hit a tree. And so like I, I feel like if he can just get out there and he can just pick a spot on the fairway, throw it to there, and he can make his putts, which he does, then I think he's gonna do well. Ricky's been playing. Ricky got came in, I think third. He came in third last time um so i'm i picked him for second because he's been playing better this year than he did last year i feel like and then calvin also he finished second last time yeah and so i feel i feel like they're gonna stay up there so i'm Um, I'm gonna have a similar one but i'm gonna sneak someone in there so i'm going calvin is taking it down this weekend okay uh don't ask me why i don't know it's calvin why (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna have paul coming in second because i agree with you paul just does well here he's always in the mix um I would choose him to win, but you chose him to win. And third place, super sneaky. Ooh, Nate Sexton. Nate's. Who is that? <laughs> it's, is I he mean, play? he's playing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a little bit of a out there pick because he hasn't played a lot mm-hmm. of tournament disc golf in a while. He normally does pretty well out here because yeah. his forehand allows him to be safe. Could be an awful pick. I don't know. You know, because he hasn't, like I said, he, he, he might be a little out of practice. But I, I'd love for him to do well. I just I'd love feel like to watch him on lead card. When when he's, when you take a year off from something or you mm-hmm. take a while off, you're so hungry to come back that yeah. you don't really care what kind of golf you're playing. And a lot of times that makes the best golf. But you're right. He puts he puts him in the fairway. Yeah. Especially at a course like this, I feel like he can put it in the fairway really well. And if he plays safe, then. Sex and golf. Does, yeah. He plays some sex and golf, then. I think I'd love a, for him to I'm do have, well. I would I love have for him Nate to do Sexton well. Sexton coming in third place there. That would uh, be awesome. Yeah, and um, yeah, Ricky's definitely a storyline to keep up with. Um, and like I said, if you if you're I in mean, a position, if you're in a position that can, uh, if you're in a position that can do something with the GoFundMe yeah. for his sister, that's awesome. Um, if I remember, we'll put the link in my in the description. Hopefully, I remember tomorrow. If not, just go over to GoFundMe and search, and you'll be able to to pull it up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, he, I know for sure he went, took an overnight flight home. Mm-hmm. Whether or not he's coming back for the tournament, that is up in the air at this moment. About an hour from now, that will be answered. We'll know if he teed off or not, and we'll know. Um, obviously, when you're listening to this, you'll already know what's been going down. But on the FPO side, who do you have as your top three? Why don't you go ahead and say your top you, three? You just you didn't <laughs> look I at forgot it? about it. Okay, wow. That's when um, I came over here to well, set up the podcast. First off, we have <laughs> Paige Pierce is not here. She's yeah, in Hawaii, okay. I believe, actually looking at property. 
she's possibly moving to Hawaii mm-hmm. uh, for her off-season home, which, I mean, why the heck not? That sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, so no Paige Pierce in this. So I've got to go Katrina Allen. I think she's going to go back-to-back here. She just went to Mexico for a friend's wedding, I believe. It looked like on her Instagram. I think she's going to be relaxed. I think she'd be ready. This is a thrower's course. She's everyone in the comments knows i think Katrina yeah. allen's the best thrower of the disc in fpo if her putt can even be somewhat on i think she's going to take it down i'm going to slide Haley king into second place okay no makes- i'm going sarah hoke a second i'm, going okay. s- I'm switching it all up sarah hokum is going to come in second place here um and then missy gannon third place i'm gonna say that she just keeps it going she she rides that momentum it's the nick and matt show boost She's going to take the Nick and Matt show boost and to a podium finish at the DDL. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to go even more extreme because I actually, I remember I did look at this. I just forgot to write it down. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to get really hopeful and I'm going to put Missy Gannon in. Uh, I can't, I don't think I can put it in first. Do you think she might win? I think, I think hey, she, there's no pressure here. There's nothing on the line for these. Right, it's just the dark right, horse you're pick. Right, you're right. The dark horse pick is the only thing that has anything on the line. And your guys, I'm, 11 you down. know what? Well, then I might as well. I'm going to go. Top of the I world. think that Missy Gannon is due for a win. Okay. And she's going to win something. And I think that she might win this. There you go. Oh, yeah. But see, the cat is, she's such a good thrower. And this course really helps her out with that. I'm going to stick with it. Missy Gannon. Katrina cat. Allen is the most consistent second place finisher on earth. Yeah. So, yes. Someone else might beat her. So I'm going to go with Katrina Allen for a second. Okay. And then I, I'm just Haley King is she crushes, and I feel like this I, she's unstoppable on a course where she can throw really far and doesn't have to worry about overthrowing it because that's where her trouble is is sometimes she throws too far, um, and so I feel like she's gonna I feel like she's gonna come in third. All right, yeah, yeah. I mean the FPO hasn't teed off yet, so that's complete uh, blind predictions there. MPO I think everyone we picked hasn't teed off yet. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean Justin Rozak is on the fairway on 18 right now. So I'm really ho- I hope that good. Brody, I mean, he, he's I hope Brody up there. places really well in this tournament. The biggest thing I think for Brody to be watching storyline wise and mm-hmm. and for Justin Rozak actually, um, and a lot of these players, wow, is the USDGC spot right now. Andrew yeah. Presnell, Justin Rozak, Gannon Burr nine down through 15. Yeah, um, I, was, I wanted to look at how Gannon was doing because he hadn't teed off when I was looking. He's yeah. nine down through 15. They're, they're, yeah, so okay, they're, cool. they're all in the mix for cool. USDGC spot. Um, Zachariah Johnson, Andrew Marweed, Anthony Barella, and Andrew Presnell. Uh, I'd love to see Brody get that. That'd be, that'd be so they cool. are all in the mix right now. Um, that's a fun storyline. You can turn that on and off on UDISC, the USDGC spots. And I believe this is also a Throw Pinks Women's Disc Golf Champion uh, one as well, which is like the USDGC women's side. So that's a fun storyline to watch. But let's wrap up the show here with Make That Call. Let's see how well you know your rules uh, here. From people who know, Connor is a rules expert. <laughs> he has taken the official ruling exam over five times. I've taken it over five times. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, don't ask how many times he's passed it, yeah. but he's taken it over five. I've had to have at least passed it once in order to play nationals. <laughs> <laughs> so there's your hint. Um, <laughs> so I'm just. this is just straight from the PDGA Q&A. All right. Okay, so I'm not even putting you in a scenario. Yes, I am. Right, You're on. at a tournament. Hold on. All right, I'm ready. You're at a tournament. Yeah, yeah. The player who's next to throw, actually, we'll put this in a more detailed okay. scenario because this yeah, has literally yeah, happened it. to me. You're playing on Chase Card. Gotcha. At a professional tournament. Congratulations, Connor. Yeah. You've made it. It's you, Lance Brown, Travis Chumley, wow. and Gavin Rathbun. I don't okay. remember who the fourth person was. Cool. Got it. Uh, hey, guys. Good round. So, yeah. you, so Travis is up first. He tees off. There's a forehand like he always does. Uh, you're uh, Gavin Rathbun's up second. He tees off, throws. Lance Brown's third. Mm-hmm. Lance is nowhere to be seen. Mm. So, he's not there. You're fourth on the card. Can you go ahead and throw? Or do you give the absent player more time to show up? And if so, how much time before you go and throw? Mm. So, how you much see, time do you give Lance before you, you step up to the tee and throw? I know a couple of the rules in this. And by I know them, I mean I know of them. <laughs> so I can't quite give you numbers and stuff like that. But I know, I, I know you give them... I know there's a specific amount of time you give a missing player. I don't know what that amount of time is, though. It can't be too long. It can't be. I'd say I... Oh. I don't, I don't know the amount of time, but I would say, like... He gets two minutes. Okay. 
Um, so the amount of time is 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Okay. Ten. That's what I wanted to say that, but I felt like that wasn't. So that's part one. I got now, part two. What happens if he doesn't show up? Yeah. Lance Brown, you gave him his 30 seconds. And, and we've got it. We've got to throw. We've got to move on. Now it's your turn. You step up he and gets, you throw. What happens to Lance's, Lance for that hole? For every hole that he's not there, does he get a quadruple bogey? Yes, that's correct. So every hole that Lance does not show up, that's he pretty, gets I mean, par that's pretty plus impressive. Four. I know that. Yeah, that actually happened to me at two days in May. I don't remember who all was on my card. I know it was me, Travis, Chumley, and there's one other person, and then Lance. And I literally saw Lance in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Me and Lance, right before we. Tee it off. was at, so it was Lance that didn't. That it was didn't it was up? literally Lance. Yeah, okay. I put you in the exact scenario. I okay. just didn't remember the force. So I put Gavin there, and we're at the parking lot. It's supposed to rain. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey Lance, I'm walking out to the hole. Lance goes, okay, I'm just go run back to my car. We have like 15 minutes to wait. To mm-hmm. I'm running back to my car real fast, which is 100 feet from us, to get my. Uh, my umbrella and i'll be on the tee i said okay cool see you out there i walk out there practice putt a little bit two minutes is called no sign of lance i'm like well that was 13 minutes ago what the heck two minutes they all start no sign of lance travis is up first he waited his full 30 seconds before he threw to give lance more time he waited like 25 seconds ran up and threw whoever is second 25 seconds threw yeah lance's turn we set a stopwatch 30 seconds, and then I waited 25 seconds. Because if Lance would have shown up so in between, must, yeah. we would have let him. Yeah, it yeah, wasn't technically course. against the rule. It was, would have been against the rules. I released my disc. Okay, we were throwing on an island hole. Made the island, by the way. Uh, nice. Ended up dropping out of cash at the tournament, so it doesn't matter. But the first <laughs> hole was promising. Uh, I threw my shot. We take we put our bags on, and we take like two steps forward, and here comes Lance sprinting up the hill. Oh. And we're like, Lance, we just teed off, man. He's like, no, 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 no. I, I can throw. I can throw. We're like sorry you're, you're late yeah you, you can't he's like just let me let me play a provisional i was like okay so he called a provisional and threw How, what what is that why would throw so he could appeal to the oh, okay. td yeah uh, it wouldn't matter yeah, yeah so he called a provisional through threw at ob and then just walked to the ob picked up his disc and walked to the next hole because he knew yeah he was wrong. yeah yeah so yeah well i mean i happened. mean well you know like you know what? Got to go get my umbrella. Like, you know what that's code for, right? No. And he pooped his pants. Oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> he had pooped his pants before. They. He had to go change his pants. No, he, he literally needed to get his umbrella. Yeah, he, he pooped his pants. I guarantee you, if you called him, he pooped his pants. I'm not going to call <laughs> I'm him. Just He's kidding. probably playing right now. <laughs> he definitely didn't. He just had to get his umbrella. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week's show. Hopefully you enjoyed. <laughs> uh, let us know in the comments down below if we should revoke Connor's right to ever have a mic again or if we continue giving him a mic. Well, you normally have a mic at the producer yeah. booth. This We actually silenced. I produce the show. I will give myself a mic. That's true. <laughs> we silenced our producer this week. Mm-hmm. Silas. He doesn't have a mic yeah. back there. He's just listening. He looks great, though. Yeah, from mm-hmm. our angle. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's all. Be sure to tune in live. What, what just happened to my voice? Be sure to tune in live. Uh, it's the DDO coverage on the Disc Golf Network all weekend. Don't forget about our follow-up show, Foundation Follow-Up gonna be happening friday night since the final round is saturday uh who's gonna be on that is still tbd if nothing else it'll just be me that rhymes um so that's why i like that cool. you just made the decision just now that we're doing it oh we're doing it yeah that was never a question okay the question is who are we doing it with okay or gotcha. without because yeah. trevor's still gone i think nick carl's playing a tournament in richmond this weekend and then so the question is is it gonna be me and you or is it just gonna be me We'll that's see. that's that's the to be determined we'll see how we part. feel yeah we'll see how we'll see how you receive this episode with Connor yeah. <laughs> to decide if he's ever given a mic again but uh other than that guys thanks for listening and we will talk to you next week see ya